0: Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. Jesus once told Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. If you desire, you can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here is Pastor Visser with our next Bible study.
1: Hello, faithful listener, and thank you for joining me for yet another look into the sacred script. As you well know, I'm Pastor Visser, and today we're going to be taking a look at the seventh ode of Solomon. You should be forewarned before we begin this study that the book, Odes of Solomon, is not to be found within your canonized King James Version of the Bible. It is what we would consider to be a quote-unquote Gnostic text, and as a result, Many people out there, especially within Judeo-Christendom, would never dare touch these particular books, much less preach on them. However, out there, most especially within the truth movement, there are many men and women who profess a love of Jesus Christ, Yahshua Messiah. Even worse is, there are many men out there professing to be a preacher, but yet they don't fall within Paul's admonitions, and his instructions for how a church is designed to be. We know from Scripture, according to the words of our Messiah, that in judgment there will be many there on his left-hand side, considered goats. And they will say to Jesus Christ, Did we not do marvelous works in your name? Did we not cast out demons? And Christ will respond in judgment by saying, Depart from me, I never knew you. Now, I have preached in the past that my belief as to why this is, is because those goats on the left hand of Christ were those who in life did not know him. And if we do not know our Father, if we do not know our Redeemer, well, chances are pretty good. In judgment, he will say, depart from me, I don't know you. But here in the seventh ode of Solomon, we're going to read a simple and joyful psalm on the Incarnation. Meaning that this book is attributed to wise King Solomon, much after the same exact manner of our book of Proverbs, or Song of Solomon. And in it, he is going to describe our Heavenly Father, Yahweh. And so, in this particular sermon, pay close attention. Beginning in the seventh ode of Solomon, verse 1. He says, as the impulse of anger against evil, so is the impulse of joy over what is lovely and brings in of its fruits without restraint. Now we know in our canonized Bible, Yahweh loves a cheerful giver. And that terminology of being a giver does not necessarily denote somebody who writes a check or cuts a money order and mails it to a ministry. There are many ways that we can give to Yahweh God. In fact, it is what Yahweh God requires of us, that is, a sacrifice, giving of our time, giving of our life, giving of our thoughts, and everything else. And in the seventh ode of Solomon, you're going to see it's no different, that he teaches, that Yahweh God is he who has given him the wisdom that he possesses. Now, I do want to point out that as Jesus Christ walked, he taught that there was no greater prophet than Solomon. No, one wiser in beauty and magnitude. And here he says, the impulse of anger, a polite way of saying inclination. So we can read verse 1 as such. As the inclination of anger against evil, so is the inclination of joy over what is lovely. And brings in of its fruits without restraint or without begrudging. So, perhaps you've heard me preach in the past. That just as much as you and I believe within the canonized Bible, the word of God itself, Yahshua Messiah. So, also do the devil's children and those that he has possessed spiritually believe in the lie. And, of course, that's confirmed by Christ in John chapter 8. When Satan speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. It's in his own language. And that same exact language is picked up by his children. Whether they are physical or whether they are spiritual. And it's understood as truth. It's accepted as truth. So just as you believe in the word of God, so also does the atheist disbelieve in the word of God equally as much. But we're dealing with impulses or inclination. And the impulse of anger against evil that we should all possess, so also is the impulse of joy over what is lovely. And that's what defines the children of Yahweh God and the children of the devil. Because the children of the devil truly rejoice when wicked happens upon the face of the earth and 2015 has seen its fair share of evil laws passed. But even more so is the aspect that when righteousness does commence, the children of Yahweh God, they will rejoice. They will have joy over what is lovely. Do you, dear kinsfolk, do you love the word of God? And more specifically, do you love the morals or the will of Yahshua? Because it is in Leviticus and Exodus, more specifically the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses, that highlight the morals Of Yahweh God. Verse 2 in Ode 7, Solomon continues My joy is Yahweh and my impulse towards Him. This path of mine is excellent. I want to stop right there and ask you the path that you're on, your Christian walk, do you regard it as excellent? Is it that quote unquote pearl of great price that you will go after, leaving everything behind? Well, if it is, then you're most likely one of God's children. Because the context of the seventh ode of Solomon is about inclination. Solomon's inclination or impulse was joy over Yahweh God. And it was towards him, meaning he inclined his path towards Yahweh God. Everything that Solomon did, he did to please his heavenly father. And this is most likely why Jesus Christ much later would say, that of all the prophets that have ever lived, there was none that had as much glory as Solomon. Why? Well, Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem. Solomon did many miraculous works, perhaps the best of which was his book of Proverbs, that we, if we would study and follow, would avoid half of the mistakes that we've made in life. Solomon says, this path of mine is excellent. Do not serve Yahweh God begrudgingly, do not think that I better follow Yahweh God just to avoid a position in hell, but rather serve him because he's your father and you know that he knows what is best for you. And one way that he has made it known that he knows what's best for you is through the written script, through the word of God. Verse 3, he says, For I have a helper, Yahweh, stopping right there. Very simple verse. Solomon says, I have a helper. I have an me if you will, and his name is Yahweh God. What greater a helper could we have down here? And that's what I want you to understand. For you to really, truly know power, you must know Yahweh. More specifically, Yahshua, which is only Yahweh in flesh form. But if we understand him, if we know him, if we walk with him and seek to be obedient to his charges, then... We, as the sons and daughters of Yahweh God, will know true power. But almost every mystery cult out there promises their adherents they will know a form of power, or they will know eternal life outside of Jesus Christ. But the irony of it all is they are powerless. Those that follow the mystery religions and the false cults, they are in bed with Satan. They believe the lie. They are hoodwinked, for lack of a better term. Solomon says, beginning in verse 3, I have a helper. His name is Yahweh. And then he continues. He hath caused me to know himself without grudging by his simplicity. His kindness has humbled his greatness. Simplicity being the key word. There are many people out there who want to take from the simplicity that is in Christ. And we're taught this within the King James Version. Yeshua Messiah came and he taught extremely simple. His yea was yea, his nay was nay. If Christ says, until heaven and earth pass, not one jot or tittle shall pass from the law, then you can bank your salvation on that. Your daily walk and your impulses or inclination should lean towards that because we accept that as truth. But down here, there are people on both ends of the spectrum. There's the Judeo-Christian, for example, will come in and say, Jesus Christ said he loves everybody, but yet that's not written. And then there are those within the truth movement, or at least those who want to be seen as part of the truth movement, who come in and through their many words and their scholarship, quote-unquote, they take away from the simplicity that's in Christ. They'll come in and say, well, Jesus Christ said this, but he didn't really mean this. This word means something different in the Aramaic, etc. Understand that there is simplicity in Christ. And Solomon says, he was chosen, he was called out of the world. That Yahweh God caused him to know him without grudging. Once again, unbegrudgingly. With the inclination or the impulse to obey. Now, there are two impulses. The impulse to do evil and the impulse to do righteousness. And Solomon is proving in verse 4 of Ode 7 in the Odes of Solomon that he was humbled by a humble God. Now we can split hairs within Anglo-Israelism and say Yahweh God is love or he is just love or he is jealous, he is angry. But overall Yahweh God is meek, he is humble. And he proved that in the visage of Christ. Many people say, why is it that Yahweh God had to take on flesh form? Well, thankfully, Solomon will provide the answer in this particular study because we're going to cover it here in the seventh ode. Verse 7. He became like me in order that I might receive him. Stopping right there. I could preach an hour on verse 5 right here alone. But understand that Yahweh God is what Solomon is discussing here. And Yahweh God became like Solomon or became like man. He put on flesh. He put on mortality so that he would be able to achieve immortality. And who are we referencing here in the Odes of Solomon written thousands of years before the coming Redeemer? We're discussing Nashua Messiah. Yahweh God himself divorced Israel and as a result, had to die according to his own law and or will in order to redeem his precious bride. And so that is part of why Yahshua became like us. He became a man and died as a man so that we as mankind will be able to overcome the world. Are you able to overcome the world? Well, we'll be able to do that if we have the same exact impulse that the enemy has to do evil, that is, to do righteousness. If we have the same fervor, and if the fruit of the Spirit causes us to bring in works without restraint, Jesus Christ, or God Himself, became just as you and I, because He is the pattern, the perfect example, that each and every one of us are to strive to follow Christ, as he walked and was calling men to himself, said, follow me to many people. He also said, those men who do not pick up their cross are not worthy to be his disciple. Meaning, those men and women who are not willing to die for their belief. To have the inclination every day to do good. An impulse of righteousness. Not the impulse to do evil or a So understand what Solomon's saying. He became like me in order that I might receive him. That is the reason why it pleased Yahweh God to bruise the Son. Not because he was sadistic, because through Yahshua Messiah, that law was codified, quote unquote, finished. Christ, as he hung on the cross, his last words were that it is finished. The word one up. So While the Judeo-Christian comes in and says Jesus Christ did away with the law on the cross, the irony of the word fulfill means that he one-upped it. He codified it. He completed it. In this, I'm saying that Yahweh God in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, when he gives his laws, when he tells us how to make a sin offering, and I covered this briefly two weeks ago, left the law incomplete and said as such back then, But that did not stop many pagan Israelites and even many who professed to be the faithful from denying Yahshua when he did what? He became like us. He put on mortality to die, to be that ultimate sacrifice, so that we would no longer have to sacrifice pigeons and turtle doves, etc. So remember that. Here we see a reference of a coming Redeemer. And not only coming, but one who had come. Perhaps that's a study for another day. But our own Bible says Yahweh is a man of war in the Old Testament. But yet we're also instructed Yahweh is spirit. And we must worship him in spirit and truth. How can both be correct? Well, they are both correct. That is, Jesus Christ is a man and Jesus Christ is God. Verse 6. He was reckoned like myself in order that I might put him on. The same as you and I. What's that mean? A sinner. Born of sinful flesh, each generation, in and out, that is who we are. We are dung, we are wormwood, that is, within the flesh. Our works can attribute to us righteousness in judgment, and how we live, and how obedient we are, but nothing down here that we can do, oh, I don't know, to better a city, for the advancement of a new world order, or for world peace is going to be anything more than wormwood in the eyes of Yahweh God. Why? Because Christ didn't do those things. What did Christ do? When Yahweh put on flesh form, he came to rebuke organized religion because it made null the word of God, and so it still stands today, even within Christian identity. There's men who come in, and with their own tradition, disannul, everything that's ever been accepted, and the biggest irony is, they're not even from amongst us. But their sole purpose is to convince the flock of Yahweh God to not listen to us. Remember this. Because for every genuine prophet that is risen within the word of God, including Jesus Christ, there is a pale imitation, a false prophet, who also will be risen up. And that is the one you need to be aware of. And I say that because we can determine through discernment the will of Yahweh God through His word. And the only way we can discern who is who and who is the enemy is through that same said word. If we don't go back to the word and see how we're supposed to deal with adulterers, with false prophets and with sodomites, then we also can be misled through tradition. Tradition that again makes null this word of God. He, God in flesh, was reckoned like myself in order that I might Put him on. Terminology that Paul would use much later. That is, to put on Christ. That if we lose everything else to win Christ, then we have truly overcome the world. Verse 7. I trembled not when I saw him, because he was gracious to me. Like my nature, he became that I might learn him, and like my form, that I might not turn back from him.
0: Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts Or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by GodCast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit so we hope that you will allow him to lead your life and help to build his church so that when he returns, he will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message.
1: Here's a very subtle key into why Yahshua Messiah had to come in the flesh and die. And in addition to being able to put on Christ or wear him as our raiment, Christ put on flesh and became a mortal man through that lineage of David, Solomon's father, so that we might learn him. He put on man's form that we might not turn back from him or turn to him. In short, Yahweh God is not going to instruct us to do something that he himself will not do. Why? That's what hypocrites do. That's what false prophets do. They talk a good game and they espouse laws of God, but they cannot follow them like the Pharisees of old. Christ is God in flesh form and Christ came so that you would understand That we can do it in the flesh. That is, if we follow his pattern. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to stumble. That doesn't mean that we won't have failure. But what we do have is forgiveness of sins. That is, if we're meek. Meek is the first step of repentance. You must have a meek heart to be able to repent. I bring this up, of course, because the Judeo-Christian doesn't even know what sin is. They cannot define it. So, as a result, they do not repent. And if you ask them, why did Christ come to die on the cross? They cannot answer that. But this is one such reason he became like us, so that we could receive him. Because if he was just a God, a spirit, saying, this is what you need to do, and never proved to us, or lived his own law that he commands us to follow, then he would be a hypocritical God, would he not? Well, that's one such reason. He was reckoned like myself that I might put him on. Solomon did not tremble when he saw him because he understood the graciousness of Jesus Christ, a polite way of saying grace. Solomon, being meek, did not go around and condemn every single other person in the world. Rather, he worked out his own salvation with fear and trembling the way he was instructed. He tended to his own corner of the vineyard, whether it was building that grand temple or whether it was delivering the Israelites. But understanding continues in verse 9. The father of knowledge is the word of knowledge. Stopping right there. All knowledge comes from this word of God. And Solomon in his own Proverbs says, The chiefest of all of these things is understanding. Get wisdom. And more than wisdom, understand that wisdom. This is why Solomon in Proverbs, in Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes would say that wisdom is. And understanding were the principal things, what we were to go after. Why? Because in going after wisdom, we are seeking our Father's face. Let's read verse 9 one more time. The Father of knowledge is the word, or that word of knowledge. Where is the word of knowledge found? Well, we could say it's found right here in the Odes of Solomon. Why? Just because it wasn't canonized, just because it wasn't put within your quote-unquote authorized Bible, does not disannul the truths found within it. In fact, what is required for you to know the difference between many apocryphal books that could be legit and many pseudepigraphal books that are bogus is discernment. That spark and or ember of Yahweh's Holy Spirit that he has imparted within you, exercise it. And the surefire way of knowing a false prophet is they will come and take away the simplicity of Christ. They'll say, Jesus didn't say it is finished on the cross. Christ loved everybody. All you got to do is believe. Where's that written? It's not. But the word of knowledge does say that whom Yahweh God loves, he will chastise, that many are called, few are chosen, and even more so, as we began this study, many of the faithful, self-professing Christians that stand on the left hand of Christ are nothing more than goats. Christ doesn't know them. Now, Solomon says in his book of Proverbs that whoso turneth his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Now, do you think for a moment that people who profess themselves to be a Christian, but they turn from the law, as Solomon warned us, Or they turn from the will of God, which is his law, as Christ said. And teach other men to do so, so that they ensure they are least within the kingdom. Maybe, just maybe, the aspect that Christ could not hear their prayer. That's why Christ would say, I don't know you. They didn't know him. So, food for thought. Keep that in the back of your mind as we continue. The father of knowledge is the word of knowledge. Any knowledge that you can know is found within the word of God. And in Psalms, David, Solomon's father, says a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Truly, there is no more a foolish statement that can be made than there is no God. When evidence of Yahweh God is everywhere around you a thousand times an hour, if not more. What it requires is discernment, the ability to see. The natural man will never see. But they that are created of Yahweh God like you and I, we see Yahweh in everything. We see his fingerprint. Who is he, this father of knowledge? Well, understand this terminology, father of knowledge, should denote within the minds of the flock... That it is only through Yahweh, more specifically his word, that we can know knowledge. And I might interject, all we know of Christ is found within the word of God, the New Testament, more specifically. Be careful of these anti-Pauline fools who want to come in and disannul 90% of the New Testament. Hear me, dear kids, folk, it's not 80. Paul didn't only write 80% of the New Testament because if we throw out Paul, we also have to throw out Luke who was Paul's companion and his gospel. And then as a result of throwing out Luke, we must throw out Hebrews, which is an epistle written by Luke, Paul's companion. The anti-Paul belief is not Christian because it is a denial of 90% of the New Testament. It is, for lack of a better term, Judaism in a nutshell. He who created wisdom is wiser than his works. Verse 10. Because why? Again, the verse before it, "...the father of knowledge is the word of knowledge, and it is he who created wisdom. He's wiser than his own works." (laughs) What's Solomon saying? That this earth is not that great. This is the least of his creations, and it's not that great. We glory within it, because it's all we know. Many of the natural brute beasts that are meant to be taken and destroyed, for example, all they see is the flesh. They cannot understand the Spirit. They revel in glory within it. They are the type of people who have a problem with my sermon, Evil Dung, for example, because they think their flesh is so high and mighty, and they miss the Spirit. Perhaps also, they are the ones on the left hand of Christ, whom he says, I never knew you. They were the ones who said, hey, I'm Israel. Nothing's required of me. And after all, I was told by a false prophet who even claimed the title of CI, That all Israel's saved, it doesn't matter how we live. Yet they never come along and define who Israel is. Obviously, the Israelites are on the right hand of Christ. They're the sheep. They're the ones Jesus Christ says, enter into the kingdom, my faithful servant. Because we are grounded within truth, at least sola scriptura, the word of God, more so than any other sect of Christendom out there, It stands to reason that we are more subject to attack from the demons and the enemy's children. And of course, they're going to come in and they're going to obscure the simplicity of Christ. They're going to add to the word. They're going to take away from the word. But the one thing seemingly none of them can do is to tell their adherents to follow the word. Because if a bogus prophet actually were to tell his listeners to follow the word of God, then that same flock who is following the law or the morality of God would mark that same pastor as a false prophet and most likely take him out and put him to death. He who created wisdom is wiser than his own works. And he who created me when yet I was not knew what I should do when I came into being, wherefore He, Yahweh, pitied me in His abundant grace and granted me to ask from Him and to receive from His sacrifice. What sacrifice is that? Well, He already told you right here. Yahweh became like me in order that I might receive Him. The ultimate sacrifice for one and all time. He already told you in verse 5. He became like me in order that I might receive Him. He was reckoned like myself in order that I might put him on. Grace is what Solomon is discussing. And grace is what we're saved by. Not by our pedigree, but because we don't deserve to be saved. And in acknowledgment of that is humility, meekness, what we're instructed to be. He pitied me in his abundant grace that's why Solomon was saved not because he was David's son by Bathsheba not because he was a great king in Israel not because he was the wisest amongst all Adamites but just like every time Solomon's salvation was extended him through grace and not only that he granted Solomon the ability to ask questions of his Redeemer and to receive from his sacrifice to be a partaker of that The sacrifice of Jesus Christ is something that, in my estimation, is overlooked within Christendom in general. People don't really look into why the sacrifice was made, and many more so don't even understand the reasoning behind that same sacrifice. But in a nutshell, Christ made his sacrifice to extend grace to an unruly group of Israelites who throughout the entire Old Testament would go whoring after other nations, would go whoring after foreign women who did not deserve the grace. But that did not stop many Pharisees and Sadducees from rising up around the time of Jesus Christ and coming in and condemning everybody else, hiding behind the letter of the law and never understanding the spirit of the law. If you understand grace is imparted because none of us deserve it, it's unmerited favor, then you will not walk around hiding behind the law of God as a hypocrite. There is an application for this, is what I'm saying. We could use the example of, I don't know, Joseph and Mary. Now, when Mary was found to be pregnant as a virgin, the law of God dictated she should have been stoned. And I might risk saying that there are men out there within CI who would even today murder the very mother of Yahweh God because they hide behind the law. But not so with Joseph, the betrothed. Joseph understood the spirit of the law. And what did he do? He put her away privately. Thank Yahweh God for Joseph being called to do as such. Because through the act of Joseph, Christ could make a sacrifice. He could be born. He could live in upwards of 33 years. And he could extend that grace by giving up the ghost as a flesh man. Verse 13 in the Odes of Solomon, Ode 7. Because he is incorrupt, the fullness of the ages and the father of them. He hath given him to be seen of them that are his. Stopping right there before we conclude verse 14. Exactly what I am the Apostle Paul said. The things of creation are clearly seen and understood by those things that are created of Yahweh God. Now a man or a woman who's not able to see it, no matter how many times you point out Yahweh's fingerprint in nature or the miracle of birth or the ability of trees to grow, they will not grasp it. Why? Because they're not born of him. He hath given him to be seen of them that are his. Who? Christ. Yahweh gave us Christ himself so that we would be able to understand, and only the sheep. So, when Christ comes and says, My sheep, hear my voice and will follow, you understand the reason why. No amount of thumping a person over the head is going to open their eyes to the reality of God's word without divine intervention, an epiphany, or Yahweh God himself, striking a person down on their own road to Damascus, as he did the Apostle Paul, to give them eyes to see. Many people will never see it because they are not created of him. Verse 14 of Ode 7, He hath given him to be seen of them that are his, in order that they may recognize him that made them, and that they might not suppose that they came of themselves. Many people think this. They think, hey, I'm such a great person. I'm I'm living so much longer now through the medical advances that man has made. But yet Christ taught Whoso seeks to save his life shall lose it, and who shall lose his life for Christ's sake has found it. They get it 180 degrees backwards, and that's what we need to understand. The natural man, they only understand the flesh. In fact, many of them think they are greater than Yahweh God. They're the type of people who come in and say, oh, it doesn't matter if you eat pork because after all, we created a refrigerator. Aren't we so much smarter than Yahweh God? God. He only told us that we couldn't eat pork back then because there was no refrigeration. Praise man. We need man. Or they'll come along and say, you know what? I've made it to 73 years and that's because of my doctor. Not because of Yahweh God and his grace. (laughs) Not because I'm living on borrowed time and do not deserve every breath I take. They have no meekness. That's the point. And no amount of Bible thumping is going to make an egotist, or somebody who is prideful and going to fall, suddenly have an epiphany, wake up and say, you know what, I'm grace today. That is, unless Yahweh God does it like he did in the case of Paul. And even had to do in the case of Solomon, the author of today's sermon. It was wise King Solomon, he went after the foreign women. He served foreign gods. And the purpose for his calling was so that he could write in Proverbs 3, 5, 7, and numerous other places like here in the Odes, that you should not do the same. Does that make him a hypocrite? Absolutely not. it makes Solomon a man called of Yahweh God, after our God's very own heart, much after the same exact manner of Solomon's father David. And so we're going to pick this up in the second part, and we're going to conclude this seventh Ode in the Odes of Solomon. Because I really want the flock of Yahweh God to know their Father. Why? Because that's one of the very reasons Christ himself came. When men and women round about him were unbelieving, they would say, show us the Father. Many of his own disciples even. And he would say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So remember that. Jesus Christ is Yahweh manifest in flesh form. He came to show you that you could overcome the world, and Solomon teaches no different thousands of years before he even came. Perhaps that's the reason why these odes do not appear alongside the Song of Solomon, David's Psalms, and Solomon's own Proverbs. The world may never know that, but what you have, dear listener, and the world does not, are these books that were considered uncanonized or Gnostic or apocryphal. And as a result of them being uncanonized, in my estimation and opinion, they are perverted and tampered with less than the canonized Bible. So this terminology of grace and racial themes are more pronounced within these books. And so until next time, Thank you for joining me this Sunday morning into this very short study into who our Father is. Many people out there are going to come and say, I know Yahweh. Yahweh's here, Yahweh's there, but it's not Yahweh of the Word. It's not even Yahweh of the Gnostic text. So use your discernment and war for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry.
0: Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies, and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website, or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We thank you for your prayers and offerings, and pray that all of you have been touched by these messages, and continue to spread the word of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.